Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Uh, forgive me if, if I sound a little drained. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with a very traumatic experience in my life. I've recently discovered uh, that the woman who gave birth to me, the woman who nursed me, the woman who who house I lived in for the first 20 some odd years in my life, uh, the woman who I referred to as mother, that woman ain't nothing but a liar. My whole life, my mother has been lying to me. She lied to me about Santa Claus. She lied to me about the Easter Bunny. But perhaps the greatest lie she's ever told me, I know you've heard this one before, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. She repeated that to me every time I came home crying because a friend had said something negative about me. Every time I came home hurt and broken because someone had, had said something mean or nasty about me, she would constantly repeat to me, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. But the older I got, the more I realized how painful other people's words can be. Has any of you ever been hurt by the words of other people? How do you respond to that? How do you respond when, when you feel criticized, when you feel attacked? How do you respond when people's words harm and hurt you. I believe I have the answer for us this morning. And, and the answer is found in, in Numbers chapter 12. So with your copy of God's word in hand, I invite you to turn in there with me uh, to Numbers, the, the 12th chapter. Uh, I believe that there is a lesson that you and I can learn from how Moses responded to when other people spoke critically and negatively about him, I believe. This story is contained in God's word to teach us how we should respond when other people criticize us. And, and as I read this story, I want you to listen carefully to how Moses responded to his critics. I want you to listen how Moses responded to his critics. Numbers chapter 12. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. It may sound unfamiliar in certain places, but feel free to follow in whatever version of God's word that you have. My Bible reads this way. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman he married, for he had married a Cushite woman they said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? 
and the Lord heard it. Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, you three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance to the tent, and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them came forward, he said, listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. I speak with him directly, openly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord's anger burned against them, and he left. As the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. When Aaron turned towards her, he saw that she was diseased and said to Moses, My Lord, please don't hold against us this sin we have so foolishly committed. Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten away when he came out of his mother's womb. Then Moses cried to the Lord, God, please heal her. The Lord answered Moses. I want us again to pay attention to what Moses said in response to his critics. Listen again. This is how Moses answered his critics. Moses said, absolutely nothing. And that's the point I want to make today. That the best way to respond to our critics is to let God do the talking for you. Let us go to God in prayer. Uh, Father, teach us great and incredible truths contained in your word so that we would be different. And Father, our prayer is that as we encounter you through your word, that you and you alone would be exalted as your word is explained. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all who are God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Numbers chapter 11 begins the first of three consecutive what are known as complaint stories where either Israel as a whole or a group within Israel will begin to complain about how God is working. The first complaint story is directed towards God when the people of Israel begin to complain about the harsh conditions that they experienced in the desert. Their complaints are somewhat justified. They were living in the wilderness, but just prior to their living in the wilderness, they were living in bondage in Egypt. So regardless of where they were now, it was still better than the place God brought them from. And when they, God heard their complaints, God responded 
with fire. I mean, literal fire. He burned those people who were complaining much the same way my mother would do when I would complain for no reason as a child. She would give me something to complain about. God gave them something to complain about. In the second complaint story, the people of Israel began to complain about the lack of variety in their diet. When they exited Egypt, they were in the wilderness with little to nothing to eat. So God caused sweet bread in the form of manna from heaven to rain from the sky. And that became their principal and exclusive diet. But after days of nothing but manna, they began to complain. Again, they forgot that before they were eating manna, they had nothing to eat. And so, even though God was displeased with their complaints, God answered their complaints by sending chicken from heaven. <laughs> Quail came down, and, and now the Israelites had variety in their diet. But, but note that both complaint stories tell us something about the nature of people. You and I are prone to complain about our present conditions when we forget about everything that God has done for us in the past. The third complaint story is not a group, is not necessarily the entirety of Israel, but now it is simply a, a group within Israel when Miriam and Aaron, Moses' brother and sister, begin to complain about Moses, or rather how God is using Moses. This final complaint story is perhaps the most personal and painful because it involves a brother and sister tandem criticizing and complaining their very flesh and blood. Well, this complaint story tells us more than just about how a sibling rivalry can go terribly wrong. I believe this complaint story is, is designed to teach you and I this morning about how we respond or how we should respond when people criticize, attack, and try to hurt us with their words. When people criticize, attack, and try to hurt us with their words, there are always two ways that you and I can respond. There's the wrong way, and the perfect example of the wrong way to respond is, is the current resident of the White House. You know who I'm talking about. Every time the current resident of the White House feels attacked, every time he is criticized, he will attack and criticize back. Remember when Robert De Niro attacked and criticized President Trump? Trump responded the next day on Twitter. And he said, Robert De Niro, 
He has a very low IQ. He has received too many shots in the head by real boxers in movies. I watched him last night and, and truly believe he may be punch drunk. When Arnold Schwarzenegger had some negative things to say about the current resident of the White House, the, the current resident of the White House wrote on Twitter, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a really bad job as governor of California and even worse on The Apprentice. Trump has called out everyone from James Comey to Rahm Emanuel to NFL football players to LeBron James. Anyone who has even thought about criticizing him, Trump will criticize them back. And in fact, that, that, that's how he lives his life. These are his words I'm about to read now. They come from his tweet. When someone attacks me, I always attack back, except 100 times more. This has nothing to do with a tirade, but rather a way of life. And though some of us, most of us, let's just tell the truth, all of us wish that when people talk back about us, that we can talk back about them, that is not how godly, called-out people respond to criticism. Moses demonstrates to us how godly, called-out people respond to criticism. And if you respond like Moses did to his critics, there's a blessing that God has in store for you. And, and here's the blessing. If you respond to your attackers, if you deal with your haters the way God wants you to respond and deal with your haters, God will step in on your side and God will do the talking for you. Here is my, my sermon in a sentence that, that when people talk about you, let God do the talking for you. When people talk about you, let God do the talking for you. Numbers chapter 12 is a defense of Moses' spiritual authority and the unique relationship that he has with God that qualifies him as Israel's unquestioned leader. This defense is necessary because of an attack that comes from an unlikely source in Numbers chapter 12. That unlikely source is his own family. In verse 1, his own brother and sister begin to speak out against Moses because of the wife that he has chosen. That word, speak out, literally describes hostile speech. Speech aimed at attacking an individual at, at first glance. The attack is based on the woman that Moses has chosen to marry. He, he married a, a Cushite woman. The term Cush or, or Cushite refers to now the region of the world that we would call Ethiopia. And the Ethiopians in Moses' day 
were set apart from other people in the ancient Near East because of their darker complexion. Miriam and Aaron had issues with Moses because Moses married a black woman. <laughs> Moses got him some sweet brown sugar. <laughs> And he was absolutely hooked. When we meet Moses in heaven, here's what his testimony is going to be. The blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. But that complaint about his Cushite wife was only a smokescreen. The real reason that they complained according to the text is because they believed that somehow God had favored Moses because Moses was because God was using Moses differently than he was using them when when they asked the question has the Lord spoken through only through Moses they were really saying that they were on par with Moses that that they were on Moses' level. And it's not that God was, was not using Miriam and Aaron. Just, just read the rest of your Bible. God would use Miriam and Aaron in incredible ways. Miriam, in fact, led the greatest worship service in Exodus 15 in the history of the world, where she led millions of Israelites in song and praise as they walked across the, the sea, the Red Sea. And, and Aaron was the priest of the Most High God. But yet they, they complained against Moses, not because God was not using them, but because God was using Moses differently. Let's, let's pause here for a minute. Because what is happening at the beginning of Exodus chapter 12 is what happens far too often in churches and in ministry where people begin to complain against other people because God is using them differently than how he is using other people. When, when people motivated by envy and jealousy begin to be critical of other people because God has somewhat, somehow chosen to use them differently than other people. And, and when this happens, they often ignore the fact that God is still speaking through and using them. Miriam and Aaron's complaint, their jealous, jealousy-inspired attack against Moses demonstrate not only did they not know how God worked, but they didn't appreciate what God was doing through them. And, and, and listen to me, how listen to me good. Never focus on other people to such an extent that you lose sight of what God is doing through you. Esau tells this story. It's about a, a dog, and a butcher gave him a, a big, juicy piece 
of bone. And the dog grabbed the bone, and the dog thought to himself, I'm going to take this bone home and devour it. And as the dog was going home, he, he had to go over a short bridge. And as he was going over a short bridge, he, he looked down and saw what he thought was a dog with a bigger bone than his. He didn't realize that he was actually seeing his own reflection in the water. So he dropped his bone to chase after what he thought was the other dog. And he jumped into the water and he sw had to swim to safely, safety. And that's when he realized trying to jump after another dog's bone cost him his bone. And how many of us lose our bone <laughs> because we are jumping after somebody else's bone? It was Miriam and, and Aaron's envy and jealousy that led to their complaining, their attack against Moses. Uh, we don't know how, how many people heard this criticism. Uh, we don't know how, how far spread this criticism was. and In, in fact, we don't know how, how long they complained. But, but note in verse 2, it ends on a very ominous note that God heard their complaints. And, and Arha, we do well to remember the end of verse 2, that, that when you may be inspired to whisper in somebody's ear about someone else, when, when, when you may be tempted to go talk about somebody else, when, when you criticize and attack other people, word may never get back to that person you're talking about, but word will always get back to God. God hears everything you and I say about other people. But not only did, did God hear, Moses also heard. And when he does, Moses remains absolutely silent. When you are misunderstood, when we are hurt, criticized, attacked by the words of other people, you and I have a tendency to, to want to defend ourselves. When people criticize us, we want to criticize them back in return and in kind. Moses does not. And the justification for why he remains silent is provided for us in verse 3. Moses remained silent because the text says Moses was, was humble. Moses didn't think too much of himself. Moses didn't have a, a big head. Here, here's why. When people talk about us, we want to talk about them back in return. It's because we think too highly of ourselves. The reason why criticism hurts, the reason why words are painful is because we have such a high opinion of ourselves, we feel we don't deserve to be attacked verbally like we are not so with Moses. Moses was attacked 
Moses was verbally criticized, but because he was humble, he remained silent. I, I, I saw an example of this only one time in my life, and it was recently. Recently, I, I decided I, I can save so much money if, if, if I just don't take the Uber, don't take a cab, don't even drive. Just catch the subway everywhere I go. So, so from now on, I'm taking the subway no matter where I got to go in the city. And, and, and that has proven to be a, a treasure trove of sermon illustrations. If, if you want to have a story to tell, just ride the subway all day long. I, I was on the subway a, a couple of months ago, and I got on to, to, to listen as this one woman was cussing this other woman out. And when I say cussing this other woman out, I mean there's not a word in the dictionary that this woman was not calling this other woman. She, and you know how, how, how New Yorkers are? You know, this woman was sitting down, other woman talking about her, cussing her out. And you know how we gonna do. You gonna let her talk about you that way? <laughs> you ain't gonna say that. But yet she, she remained silent. I later discovered that the reason why this other woman was cussing her out was because the woman who was sitting down had volunteered to get up and let her sit down. Let that sink in for a minute. New Yorkers will cuss you out over everything, anything. So I live in Harlem. I got on on 145th. So from 145th all the way to 92nd Street, about 15 minute train ride, she was getting cussed out and cussed out and for 15 minutes, she just sat there, said nothing, while everybody on the train, you gonna let her talk about you like that? You gonna let her talk about you like that? And, and luckily for me, she, she, she got on off the train the same place I got off the train, and, and, and we headed up the same exit, and, and as we are about to go our separate ways, I, I had to know. I, I had to ask her, hey, listen, what, what motivated you? You, you know, I, I'm a pastor. I serve the Lord. I love the Lord. I teach people about Jesus all day long. But if that was me, <laughs> look, look here. We, 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 there'd have been some words exchanged. And, and I had to ask you, how could you just sit there while this other woman talk about you? The, the way she did. And, and you know what she told me? She told me, if that woman really knew me, she would have had even worse things to say about me. That's humility. When you don't think too highly of yourself, criticism, hurtful words don't matter as much to you. It's Moses' humility that caused him not to respond. Moses silenced his own voice, but that does not mean that Moses remained silent. Moses' silence was the impetus for God to speak up on Moses' behalf. Note the connection. Moses 
didn't talk, so God talked for him. And we can assume that if Moses did talk, then God would not have spoken. Moses' silence is what creates the opportunity for God to respond. And, and God responds first by defending Moses's, Moses with his own speech. God responded first by talking on behalf of Moses. He, he corrects the error, error that Miriam and, and Aaron made. Miriam and, and Aaron had assumed that they were just like Moses. God steps in and gives this lengthy speech in which, he, in which he says to Miriam and Aaron, you are not like Moses. Moses is special in my economy because when I speak to other people, I speak through visions. But when I speak to Moses, I speak directly. Here, here, here's what Miriam and Moses, God is saying rather to Miriam and Aaron. When I want to talk to y'all, I send you a text message. <laughs> I, I, I send you a direct message on Twitter and on Instagram. But when I want to talk to Moses, I go to his house. I knock on the door and I sit down and talk to Moses. God defends Moses with his own speech. And, and, and here's the good news for us this morning. God is in, still in the practice of defending his people with his own speech. L listen, it may not be in the form of an audible voice, but every time somebody talks about you and God blesses you, that's God talking on your behalf. Every time somebody criticizes you and God lifts you up, that's God talking on your behalf. Every time somebody threatens you and God defends you, that's God's talking on your behalf. God is still in the business of speaking up on behalf of his people, and, and, and I know I'm right about it. This year marks the 50th anniversary, I believe, of the death of Martin Luther King, and, 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 and one of the, the most difficult moments of King's life happened in, 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 in early on in his ministry. In, in his ministry, his wife Claretta Scott King got a letter, a package in the mail. And a few days later, later, King received that same package. That package contained a threatening letter saying that they would expose Dr. Martin Luther King if he didn't stop the civil rights movement immediately. The letter threatened to reveal aspects of King's life that would ruin his reputation. The letter called King evil six times. It accused King of being a colossal fraud with evil intentions, and towards the end of the letter, it even told King that he needed to commit suicide in order for the world not to learn of the type of man King truly was. King immediately knew who the letter was from. 
It was from then FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, whose whole life he tried to ruin the ministry of Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. King never responded to that letter. A few months after receiving that letter, Dr. King would receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Do you hear that? That's God speaking on behalf of Dr. Martin Luther King. Sometime thereafter, the Civil Rights Bill was signed into legislation. Do, do you hear that? That's God speaking on behalf of Dr. Martin Luther King. And, and every January 15th, God is still speaking on behalf of Dr. King because January 15th, Remember, Hoover's intention was to erase King from the history books. But, but every January 15th, America celebrates a day in his honor. That's God speaking on behalf of Dr. Martin Luther King. But, but not only will God speak for you if you respond to criticism his way, God will act on your behalf. The speech is followed by actions in which, because of their attack on Moses, God inflicts leprosy on Miriam. Listen, I'm so, I'm so proud of you guys. I, I, I actually preached this sermon at my church. And, and when I preached this sermon at my church, at this part when, when I told them about how how God gave Miriam leprosy, they started screaming and shouting, saying amen. That's, that's not your amen point. <laughs> you are not supposed to be happy. <laughs> and God will try to hurt people who talk about you, but here's your happy point right here. It's God's actions towards Miriam that now creates the opportunity for Moses to minister to Miriam. Now Aaron has to go to Moses and ask Moses to intercede on behalf of him and Miriam. You just missed your shouting point right there. Here. <laughs> Same people who talk about you. Same people who attack you. The same people who, who criticize you. The same people who try to hurt you with their words. God can create such changes in their lives that now they have to come to you so that they can get a prayer up. The same people who attack you are the same people that God will give you an opportunity to minister to on his behalf and for his glory. One of the greatest pastors I knew was this man named Dr. Harry Blake. He, he pastored the New Canaan Baptist Church in Louisiana for over 50 years. He, he tells this story. In 1963, after the awful bombing that killed 16 people, many of them children in Birmingham, Alabama, he asked the chief of police in his town if he could block off four blocks near his church so that they could have a peaceful March, Dr. Blake's intentions was 
to try to bring healing not only to his city, but also to the country that it was in the middle of some of the most intense racial strife it had ever experienced. The chief of police never responded, but, but the next Sunday, he walked into Dr. Harry Blake's church, dragged Dr. Harry Blake out of the pulpit, took him to the parking lot, and he and several of his officers beat Dr. Blake to the point where Dr. Blake nearly died. And worse than that, they began a smear campaign against Dr. Blake, calling him a Negro troublemaker. They encouraged all of the, the newspapers to print nothing but negative things about Dr. Harry Blake, and that practice continued for decades. About 30 years after the event in question happened, the, the city of Shreveport, Louisiana, had to officially apologize to Dr. Harry Blake for the actions that their police force took that day. But, but the chief of police refused to apologize to Dr. Harry Blake. He, he said he would never speak to that Negro troublemaker again in his life. A few years ago, that chief of police had inoperable cancer. He was dying in his bed in the hospital. And the only words that he could repeat is, bring me Harry Blake so he can pray for me. The same man who tried to kill him. The same man who for his whole life had a smear campaign against Dr. Harry Blake, the same man who, who said he would never apologize to Dr. Harry Blake was the same man who, when he was dying, asked for Dr. Blake to come to his bedside so Dr. Blake can pray for him. And, and to his credit, Dr. Blake did exactly that. God can work in the lives of people so that the same people who criticize and attack you are the same people who need to come to you when they need to get a prayer up. We, we see that Moses is a example of how to respond to criticism, but Moses is not the ultimate example of how to respond to criticism because the Bible tells the story of another man who remained silent in the face of opposition and criticism. This other man stood trial, and he remained silent in front of opposition and criticism. They, they put a crown of thorns on this other man's head, and he still remained silent in front of opposition and criticism. They, they nailed him on a cross, and he still remained silent in front of opposition and criticism. They talked about him on the cross, but he still remained silent in front of opposition and criticism. He died on that cross, remaining silent in front of opposition and criticism. But three days later, God spoke up on his behalf. God spoke up for him because God raised him up on the third day with all power and authority in his hand. It's not just Jesus. It's not just Moses. But Jesus remained silent 
in front of opposition and criticism, and you and I should too. God be praised for his word.